The following views and opinions expressed on Joy Has Questions podcast are not to be confused and or affiliated with any other corporations, companies, businesses, LLCs, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. Basically, these are my own opinions on my own platform. And now everybody, let's get on with the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions, dropping some new fire for you all to listen to for the week. Starting with, you guessed it, you better know. For this week, you better know, I am giving a big head nod to the inventor Lewis Latimer. This young king was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts on September 4th, 1948, six years after his parents George and Rebecca Latimer ran away from slavery. Now, I got this information from invention.si.edu. Definitely did some cross references. It was totally reputable, but I just wanted to give like a shout out in terms of like where I really did my research. Now, this is what was so crazy. So looking at their lives, his parents, and the fact that they were determined to be free, they used colorism and stupidity of that day and age to basically make their escape. So the father, George, was able to pose as a plantation owner with the darker-skinned Rebecca as his slave. So he basically did what actually a lot of African-Americans did. There are statistics that show that a lot of African-Americans technically were slave owners. But for those who could afford it, that also at times was an opportunity for them to keep their families together because if I'm free and I buy my basically my mom or my aunt or my siblings I now am responsible or the owner for my family so even though it might on paper look you can twist data to mean anything it might look like African Americans owned one another but not every case was them you know on some uncle ruckus bullshit getting back to George and Rebecca they fled to Boston and he was recognized as a fugitive and then was jailed while his wife was taken to a hiding place Now, this caught the ear of Frederick Douglass. If you don't look, there's Google, Bing, Yahoo, Ask G's. I'm not even going into how epic Frederick Douglass was. But he became an abolitionist, an activist, fighting against the struggle and the humanity of slavery. And so he heard of what happened. And having formally escaped to Massachusetts himself several years earlier, he, alongside abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison, spoke against George's arrest, or Louis Latimer's father. The trial caused a big stir. And George was almost deported, if you will, back to Virginia. But there was so much agitation in Boston that a African-American minister paid $400 for his release and was like leave this black man alone let him go back to his family no it didn't set George and Rebecca in like this financially you know ducktails were in the money type lifestyle but they were willing to do whatever to be free and that's what I thought was so amazing so Lewis was one of three sons and then also they had a sister looking at him as the youngest child he instantly was deemed as kind of like a prodigy in the sense that he was an excellent student who loved to read and draw. He actually has two poems, you guys, that are really phenomenal. One entitled Friends and the other entitled Ebon Venus. So definitely was tapping into his Maslow hierarchy of needs, being cultured, having his own self-worth. And that's something that I really thought was like amazing looking into him and his backstory. He also was alive for the time that the Supreme Court 
ruled that Dred Scott could not be considered free, although he had been living in a free state forever. Um, his father soon disappeared after that decision became known. So looking at how, if you want to talk about systematic oppression, how families, especially black families, have been torn apart since the beginning that their baby toe crossed over into that good old Atlantic. Um, we're looking at the transatlantic slave trade. Having to find a way to help his mother, the fact that they now she was a single parent, he lied about his age and then joined the army, or I should say the Navy in 1864 and then made it through the Civil War and was honorably discharged. He returned to Boston for employment. And the reason why it was so amazing looking at his life, he was a self-taught engineer, if you will. He basically taught himself mechanical drawing and he was so good at it that his drawings actually were considered works of art upon themselves. So fast forwarding into his life, he's getting all these different opportunities and looks, if you will. So there was an explosion of inventions and new uses of technology. It was like literally the industrial age, if you will. And so Latimer met Alexander Graham Bell, like who just casually stumbles upon the man who invented the telephone. And so he basically showed him what his idea was for the telephone and hired Latimer to draw the plans for it. So Bell was in a race to have his invention patented before anybody else patented it. Because you know, at the end of the day, you can make it first, but if somebody else legally takes credit for it, it's a wrap. I've discussed that many times before on the show equity, you've got to have it. Latimer gave Bell several blueprints and then the expertise in submitting the applications that allowed him to file his patent on February 14th, 1876. He better have gotten some coins for this. Father God. Um, So in 1880, Latimer began working as a mechanical draftsman for Hiram Maxim, who was the founder of the U.S. Electric Lighting Company in Brooklyn, New York. Long story short, this man had his finger on so many inventions that I just, I cannot even begin to touch it. He basically also found his way into the inner circle of Thomas Edison, working for him like in 1884. And then also the reason why it was so important that he worked for him is because Latimer was critical because he had such a thorough knowledge of electrical lighting and power. He guided Edison through the process of filing patents and making sure that they were filed properly at the US patent office. Now. He became Edison's patent investigator and the expert witness in cases against persons trying to benefit from Edison's inventions without legal permission. There are a lot of times, and I'm not saying this specifically as a slight to white people, but when you're in a position of power, how many times have we seen somebody else that truly has to explain to the person who owns it how their shit actually works? Not saying that Edison was completely clueless. He wasn't. He definitely was an inventor. But here he was truly leveraging the skills of this black man. And I don't feel that it was a situation like, I didn't see him being like, yo, if you do this for me, not only am I going to pay you, but I'm also going to give you 3% of the company. These are the things that I'm like, when it comes down to the contributions that we have made, we definitely have to hold our heads high and talk our shit for our ancestors who pretty much were just doing what they needed to do to survive, but to also make a difference. Long story short, this man worked for a patent consultant firm until 1922 when he began to have failing eyesight. 
type. And then his health truly did begin to fail following the death of his beloved wife, Mary Wilson Latimer in 1924. This was incredible to see how he shifted, how he started like really tapping into his creative side, his sensitive side, how he started writing poetry, how he basically had a book of poems that his daughters had printed in 1925 in honor of his 77th birthday. Um, looking at him and everything that he did, I need this as a movie. I need this as a movie. He passed on December 11th, 1928, and leaving the legacy of being, a, a to me, one of the original creative technologists of his time. So definitely wanted to send uh, a shout out, a head nod, a salute, lighting a candle, whatever you want to call it, to this soldier who really, really was just black excellence through and through. And now let's get to the rest of Joy Has Questions. Everybody, it's your girl Joy Has Questions. And your girl, No Way She Comes. Ah, I'm back. No, um, we are here for the amazing segment known as Geeked Up, y'all. I know you miss me. I have, I have, I have. I had to drop an episode without you. I was like, damn. What is this life like? What is this life? <laughs> I was like, I don't feel whole. But I am so happy to have you back. you just been out here killing it, living life, doing you, looking fab at Carnival. You know. Choosing and getting chose, bitch. Oh, so well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who did I choose? Who did not choose that? Anyway, that's not important. This is Geeked Up, not Hold Up. <laughs> okay, we're done. So we're just uh, that we don't need the segment at all. No, <laughs> but no, starting. So, girl, I just feel like there is so much. My head hurts. There's been so much happening in a tech space. I am still coming off the high of All Star Weekend just because what I feel it really represented for Chicago in the sense of the synergy that was created. But there were so many tech based activations that I was like, come through. You all better be partnering creativity with technology. Like, what were some of the highlights for you that you were just like, oh, this shit is dope? Because you're really more so into sneaker culture than I am. I'm so into I was, sneaker culture I will say, So I would say, like, tech activations, I, I didn't, I don't say I didn't care. That sounds bad because it was geeked <laughs> up. But I was in it for the culture. Like, not being from Chicago, that's always something that always excites me is being, like, into the Chicago culture, seeing people who are like, oh, he's from here, he's dope, he's this, and like, I don't know this person, you know, like, I got to go to Joe Fresh Goods, um, pop-up shop. I was supposed to go to that. He had two. He had one with um, Crown Apple, and then he had his, his own. That Friday, yeah. I went to the Crown Apple one, it was super dope, like, so, I wouldn't say I was there for the technology, however, however, it did have a lot going on, especially in the sneaker culture. Um, so I know StockX apps and uh, sneakers was off the hook. You know how I know? Because I won something. I never win anything. Yay. It was in the cards. But it just made me really think about how like mobile apps have shifted the way that we think, how we interact, um, and how we get things done. And it's just like, I don't even go to the mall anymore. I walked into literally a year and a half ago into Victoria's Secret to get you lotion. That's crazy. And I went in there and was like, man. Y'all motherfuckers lucky Amazon don't sell Victoria's Secret lotion because a bitch would have bought it. I'm sorry. I have <laughs> failed my way to some prime a long ass time ago, girl. But no, that's I think that's the biggest thing. Like with everything going to a mobile app to driving people to their phones, driving people to a digital space. Like 
tech is really on on a, <laughs> people's jobs are going to be gone. I even heard something today. I was at an event and I heard a statistic that blew my mind. They were like, for children that are in school, 60% of them will be in jobs that have not been created right now. Oh, I believe that 110%. And it's all based on tech. I, I, only reason why I believe that is because even in the jobs that are available now, that wasn't a thing. Hell, my job wasn't a thing. You know, so it's like, yeah. It's, it's, the, the jobs that, the tedious jobs or the smaller jobs or working at McDonald's, I'm sorry, but like people, McDonald's is one day going to be fully automated service. There, there will no longer be humans working at McDonald's one day and it's going to be very sad. And so the, the working culture is going to shift. Like, it's, it's going to be insane. I think that, yeah, but I, for even myself, because I remember, what was it, ComplexCon had that dope-ass it went viral. Everyone was talking about the fact. I think it was like either Reebok or Adidas. It was one of these brands that completely revolutionized like how you got a sneaker release. Like everyone just did their stuff online and then got to walk up to their lockers, put in their code and get the fuck on. And everybody else was at McCormick Place. Like, wait, what the hell is going on That's here? Funny. Like I've been in line for hours. McCormick Place was crazy. I was there. Girl. You know I was there. But no, that is, it's just like. There's a constant wave in how can we leverage the platform that we have, like what's going on. And like, I was just telling you, like I went to Trinidad Carnival. If y'all have never been to a Caribbean Carnival, you need to experience once, at least in your life. If you need to know any questions about it, holla at your girl, at no way she clothes, I got all the tea. But I went to Carnival and what blew me away the most is they have an app that allows you to track what band you're in. If you don't know what band means, essentially when you dress up, you're part of a group, you have to pick your group. But in Trinidad, your band could be anywhere at any point in time in the country because the whole country is a part of Carnival. Like, it's not oh, yeah. like a set route. So, like, one group, one band could be, like, two miles this way. The other band is two miles that way. So, you it's not like everybody's following each other, right? So, they literally had a mobile app where you go on there and they had all the bands that are in Trinidad Carnival and you select yours and you can literally track it physically on a map. Like, that that's wild. That's wild. I was so, I was really sitting there like, Damn. I can figure out where everything is right that now. That is crazy. Like, I, I just, you know, you just, I never thought that my Trinidad experience would be affected by some technology. Like, I really sat on the couch and was like, this shit is wild. I fucks with it. I don't know how long they've been doing that. Uh, I know my first time I went in 2018. <laughs> no, 2017 was my okay. first time. And that wasn't a thing in 2017. So the technology was there to do it, but they wouldn't have that. So it's just crazy how mobile apps are really, like, changing what we're how we interact what we're used to what's accessible to people let me uh, ask you this do you think it's making it better or worse because mm, you know that's the whole conversation and also we were talking about this earlier but let me just say like one of the best documentaries i've seen in a while one of the worst things i could have watched in a while was on netflix the unabomber his own words that's all i'm gonna say because i don't need nobody being like okay well this bitch is officially on the list <laughs> like, but i will just say like there are some parallels that are super striking in terms of technology and how we leverage it and if it actually is making us interact with one another better or not because think of it this way if we're talking about you know poverty and you know working wages they how many statistics are done on people who like work for mcdonald's how they can barely survive mm -hmm. right now what happens if you start to cut those jobs down because now you got people just walking up to kiosks and be like bloop, 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 like and now you got only two people working in mcdonald's yep. instead of like 10 so that increases the poverty gap so 
I don't know sometimes. I'm like, is it is it a necessary evil or is it just innately evil? Is it good? Like I never know how to feel about tech sometimes. I feel like if we're gonna go into a, if we're gonna go into a space where it is affecting human lives, you then have as a company you then have the social responsibility to fix anything you break. So if we're gonna continue to have these kiosks, how do we train our employees to maybe be maintenance people? You know, there's just, you need to find the balance in using technology for a good purpose, um, you know, keeping advancing and making customers happy, but on the other end, like not hurting those that are already working under you. But of course, corporate America don't care. So that's another story for another time. Ugh, girl, okay. On that note- (laughs) Speaking of corporate America not caring, well, it's not actually not caring, but still a little wild. Um, we were talking about how 23andMe is selling customer data for inflammatory inflammatory diseases. And though they are asking for permission, I feel like they're, these companies like 23andMe and mm-hmm. what's Ancestry are still using our DNA for all types of crazy shit. For example, and this has been happening our whole life, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. Yeah, that that's is wild. Still... That is wild. And I feel like... That- I know someone who's actually working for the family or with them in terms of trying to help them find equity in other ways. It's insane that... that why do you have to find equity in other, other ways? ways? That's stupid. That is... That is the most evil thing I've ever heard. But that's what I, I feel like that story, because they're advertising 23andMe and Ancestry as like, a, oh, find out more about yourself and blah, 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 blah. And don't get me wrong. My stupid ass did it too. I, I wanted 23 and me. I want. Well, I did. I did ancestry. I See, wanted, that was the one I was like, I refused to do. I want to know what country in Africa I come from. Yeah, I do. Right. Okay. I do. However, there's probably fifty thousand million Gabbies running around right now. Okay. Maybe they all have different variations. You know, maybe one. Don't you think you got Matrix Gabbies just floating around here? But I feel like it's happened to everybody. Like I feel like. There, the case of Henry, Henrietta Lacks is now a thing for many people, and we just do not know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because it's now um, a corporate thing, we will never know. You are never going to know when somebody's genius out there is about to fix the coronavirus shit. And guess what? That motherfucker ain't going to know about it. I said this literally last week to Jasmine. I remember sitting there looking at her, and I was like, I don't want to be the person who caught it. And naturally got rid of it. Because they are going to... Dis- they going to be stuck in the hospital longer than anybody. Because they going to treat them like lab rat number five. <laughs> until they figure out what the fuck it is your body did. And they will fuck around and kill you trying to figure out how to get it correct for everybody else. They'll be like, well, this was for science. This was a necessary thing. No. Bitch, I'm not sacrificing nothing. No, no. Here we had a lax went into the hospital for cancer. She went into the hospital for cancer, and they found out what her body was capable of, and she never came out that bitch. I don't want to hear it. At all. Speaking of black history, let's go back to a more positive note. Black History Month just ended. <laughs> was it a good one? I um, think it was. I had a good black history. I feel like I always- I'm black like, 365. I mean, I am. Don't <laughs> me wrong. Don't me wrong. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, I feel like- there were just more companies out there doing the do and representing. A lot of people were butthurt about it. That's not my fucking problem. But I think one of my favorite things, and I think working for a big tech corporation, it was nice to see, even though my company didn't do it, it was nice to see another company uh, show black culture some love. I really love the Google 
Was it commercial? I remember. I was so hyped. I reached out to niggas I know that actually worked for Google and was like, your yeah, company you did, did that. Your company did that. Like, it was, it just, to really bring together a, how, on the more techie side, data science is such a huge part of any industry these days. If you are trying to have a business and you don't believe in using data, your business is going know the fuck where. Yeah. Data is like, it. everybody wants to know how are people using our shit? What are the numbers? What are this? What are that? So to take something that people don't think about every day, but like there are literally jobs. People are data scientists out here. So I don't even know how they to, got that algorithm together. Exactly. To, to, take that. That, to take that concept, make it an algorithm, pull, because you know, Google has to pull that data from itself. Yeah. You know, and then you go through all these algorithms to... And what's the starting time for that? Exactly. Like, how long was the computer exactly. just in there computing? Exactly. And then... Because Google's been here since fucking forever. What people don't know is when you get data, there's also processes and algorithms, A, to clean your data. How do we How do we know this is, isn't repetitive or is repetitive? Or a how bot, do, yeah. You know, it isn't a bot. How do we know this actually came from a human being? How do we know that... Um, maybe at this time it wasn't super skewed by some event. Like all that shit plays into that one commercial. So they took all of that data and then said, fuck y'all, we're gonna put a spin on it and drop all y'all favorite motherfuckers in this hoe. And it was beautiful, like to bring culture and information that people didn't even know we had access to and to bring it to one. Especially when we are always perceived as a liability, right? And here's the thing that I really thought was so dope. I'm trying to actually think back. I think maybe everyone that I saw, I didn't see it on an international level. I think everyone I saw was actually African-American. Yes, but, for the most part. Right, for the most part. But I think even there, it was like just super dope. Like, they could even done that on a worldwide. Like, still, this world does not move without us. I say this all the time. Like, you can, you know ignorantly and stupidly well go back to where you came from if everybody leaves who has culture you motherfuckers will be left with taupe paint and white out like there will be nothing i'm sorry this is so off topic but every time i think of that i think of a white person saying that i'll never forget this video i watched of this man yelling at a native american talking about go back to the country you came from (laughs) are you dumb or stupid i'm gonna go with both once again, off topic, but it gets me mad every time. Like, wh- where where are they supposed to go? I'd have been like, he's Native American. American. So I'm going to let the fuck you. you think that means? I remember um, watching it, and he's a very polarizing figure, but he, you know, every, sometimes a broken clock will be correct twice a day at least. Um Farrakhan has said something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) You already know. Slickback had a comment that he had to make. No, but um, he had said, it was somewhere like people were talking about, you know, I think he was like Donahue. It's a clip from like the fucking 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And this person is just like, you know, talking about, you know, the glory of America. And so he was like, where the fuck do you go if y'all have to go back to where y'all came from? He's like, y'all not native to nowhere. He was like, everywhere you all are, you have taken it from somebody else. It's so fine. Let me ask you that question. Where the fuck are you going back to? The only people I can honestly say maybe are the Irish. Like or the Vikings. Right. The Vikings. <laughs> fine, sis. You can have Lithuania. I don't care. It's yours, baby. You want to go? Russia? Go for what you know in Siberia, sis. Russia, was it Russia, maybe? All that? Okay. Yeah, 
the Bering Straits. I don't like, what do you want from us? <laughs> it's just like, but you got the nerve. Everybody want to go to Cancun and Cozumel and drink, you know, fucking margaritas. But, but you're talking about build, build a wall. A wall. I, like, if anything, I don't know how people ain't spending in, in motherfuckers' food over there. They probably are. I'm preaching, sure, like, ain't no way in hell. Like, the, the ludicrousy of the world we live in. That ain't tech-related at all. But sorry, still. sorry. Tangent, tangent. Okay, back, 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 back. It totally was a moment. but It was a good, a good, conversation, good conversation. Yeah, I, I thought Google did that phenomenally. Even on a local level, I will say this. Google has been killing it. I've seen them specifically within the Chicagoland area partner with a lot of local business owners that clearly they're still in line with the global mandates of the company Mm -hmm, because, like, it's a conglomerate. You have to stay in line with brand messaging on that level. But they are really tapping into the actual vibe of the city. And I've actually seen Facebook do a really great job of that as well. And not only just within the Chicago... Like, Facebook does it to... I don't know if Google does this, but they do it to the point, like, they'll have traveling programs. So it's like they'll have these upper, you know, markers that they're trying to hit, but then they're also on a local level and be like, hey, girl, hey, we want you to do this in Chicago, then we go into Detroit, then we also go into Seattle. Like, I think it's just fucking dope. So shout out to Google and Facebook. Yeah. They're killing it. Y'all really are. Y'all really are. Shout out to them and everything they're doing to contribute to being black every day and not just in one month. And standing in that and realizing, like, let's be honest, when you get to a certain point of wealth, I don't care if people get upset. It's not going to do anything to your bottom line. Nobody is... Say if people... When, man, fuck Google. I can't believe they did. What, what you you going to start ask Jeevan shit? Like, what you going to do? It's still there. But Exactly. You going to be on... I'm not even saying this to be funny. Like, you going to bing it? Like, at the end of the day... Honestly, I don't even use bing. And y- y'all know where home is for me. So. But, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like... You can get mad at Apple all you want. I literally just went to ask.com. I just had to just double check. Just to see if it was still there. And wow. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I haven't went on Ask Jeeves since the seventh grade. Just I don't so call Ask Jeeves anymore. Just Ask. Oh, and wow. Ask, ask Jeeves was, uh, was, like, big for a while. It really was. I remember, like, citing them for bibliographies yeah. in, like, ninth grade and shit. Yeah. But that's the whole point of what I'm saying. Like, when you get to a certain level of notoriety or when you are that much embedded into society or technology, no one's going back. You can pretty much do what you want. And yeah, a small subsec will get upset. But who the fuck is really going to cancel their Microsoft subscriptions? So it's really just like, do you have the balls to do what's right? The end. Like, that's the only conversation. That's true. Um, That's true, that's true. But transitioning to a more lighter topic. Yes, yes. And uh, also speaking on two other major corporations, Microsoft and uh, Sony. Uh, Joy, do you know if you're Team Xbox or Team PS5? So here's the thing. I am actually Team PS5, and the reason being for that is because I have never been a huge gamer, as I'm very transparent about that. I respect the gaming community, and I'm always trying to push anything that diversifies us within the world that we live in because we are multifaceted. Mm -hmm. But it was my two cousins, especially on my mother's side, who are honestly like my big brothers, Lorenzo and LeVar. Were, exactly. <laughs> they truly were the pioneers in my family in terms of tech. LeVar and him had the first PlayStation, all the games. They played Legends of Dragoon. They played Street Fighter 1, 2, 8, 92, whatever, all the <laughs> levels. Um, did or like every time I was over there, it was like Sega this so that like they truly immerse themselves in that culture and they've made careers out of it like they're graphic designers they've always been within the tech community and it was 
it was dope to see because like they didn't have like anyone showing them the way they these two niggas from the west side of chicago and they like really made a path for themselves but um yeah bitch i grew up on p on playstation by default because there's no there's no way like if i had said anything else like i feel like lavar would have sensed it and called me being like what the fuck did you just say on your show (laughs) i'm okay i work clearly for microsoft and i love my xbox actually I loved Xbox before I joined the company. My whole life, I was like, you had a PlayStation. I had one, two, three. I had a PlayStation one, two, and three. I knew niggas that was on the verge of selling jerks to get a PlayStation I three. S- I sold my at play- twelve. <laughs> I sold my PlayStation three to get an Xbox. Yeah, so I've had two Xbox One so far, two different types because they sell the different versions. But then I also bought a PS four, and I will be. I don't ask me Christmas this year. Don't nobody ask me for shit because I'm buying I'm committed because I'm buying myself the newest Xbox and oh the, you gotta get everything. and the new PlayStation. I so. think the thing for me though, I might like the machine better, but I will say this: I fuck with Microsoft's branding of Xbox better me because too. that what was it? Everyone plays or play for all. Yeah. Not only that, but just the thought process that they went into the functionality. Of it, I thought was beautiful to show how, like, even if you're handy-abled or no matter what your differences might be, like, it was a thought process that I thought, like, other otherwise, like, other demographics might not even think about yeah. when it comes to gaming. But speaking of demographics, they also bring it full circle back to All-Star Weekend. It was a really big deal, I guess, for me because it brought together my two worlds. They did a um, collaboration with Jordan in which there was a Microsoft console that was like the colorway matched a pair of Jordans. Mm. And that was like a whole collaboration. And I was like, bro, first of all, what team is this? Hire me. Right now. Right, hello? Like well, now, right? Like, like, hello? But, it, and so it's like, yeah, I feel like when it comes to marketing and branding, they really step outside of the box on what like what gaming is or who can be gaming, stuff like that, and try to reach other brands. I mean, other brands and um social circles so i totally get that i mean it's about time someone did it because i remember telling everybody i was like so what are we doing for all-star when i was there it's like what are we doing for all-star weekend because there's a lot of shit that is about to be popping so if there's a team anywhere within that company that was like hey i think this might work shout out to y'all and i hope you all are having secret teams meetings where you're talking about how y'all are the bad bitches of the company because you truly are and hire me i mean i love my team too Sorry, Sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> be like, I don't know if you're going to hear this. No. But I'm like, I make sure like those world states. But just, <laughs> it'll be an internal, it'll be an internal move, girl. Ain't nothing hard. Just take me now. Love you, bye. <laughs> okay. Like, whoever is B613, tell me now. <laughs> but no, I think that's like super dope. I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Like, we have covered a lot. everything that we possibly <laughs> this was can. A good, this was a good segment. It was. God help Jasmine trying to edit it. but <laughs> Sorry, Jazz. <laughs> testimony, sis. Go for what you know, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so that is it in terms of Geek Dub. We can't wait to talk to you all about all things Black Creative Technology based. And we will holler at y'all later. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. It's your girl, Joy Has Questions, rolling right along with this week's bomb-ass interview. I met this young lady. Um, I was the host of the revamp for Tribe Tuesdays with the Tribe Chicago. Hey, y'all. And I really, really just loved hearing her story. It was 
phenomenal. It, it touched on so many levels of just like Chicago culture and black family and the importance of intellectual property. Let me not tell your fans. <laughs> See, I'm doing it already. I'm just like, it's so much. Um, I have right here the amazing, first off y'all, she's in this bomb ass cosplay. It's like, She's just so much more than in the sense of like, oh man, she's just a, a pretty black woman. I'm like, and it's like, no girl, I'm a nerd. I'm a blurred. I'm all these things in between. So I have the amazing Lindsay Wright. Hi, love. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on to the show. Mind you, she just got through running from, what was it, C2E2? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bomb ass event at the McCormick place. Mm-hmm. Really into like comic culture. Kind of like a, what would you call it? Like a, a comic con? Yeah, or? it's. It's mostly comic based, but a lot of like nerd entertainment stuff. So gaming and uh, television shows, all kinds of stuff. Everybody goes there to be nerd. Could I have shown up as like Maxine from Living Single? Oh, 100%. Yeah, see? 100%. And people would have known who you were and people would have called, can I take a picture with you? I mean, like, I didn't know because I, I was a Clover yesterday, as you saw. I saw. I was like, oh my God, come <laughs> and I, on. I was so nervous because I was like, I ain't nobody going to know who I am, especially. You white know, folks yeah right <laughs> well yeah. what'd your dad say you know wp yeah so i'm like <laughs> it's like you can say white people's dad sir we ain't that politically we ain't gone that low as a country white it's not a curse word <laughs> like white people is exactly, okay exactly yeah but no all day people are coming up to me like oh my god i love bringing on it's my favorite movie that's so unique can i take a picture with you like Black people, white people, kids. Blah, you blah. killed it. Oh, thank you. So, and then who thank are you today? You. Just like, cause, so everyone can know before we get to the interview so, part. My friends and I uh, did a hybrid costume of uh, the main cast of um, Clueless and then also the Powerpuff Girls. So today I'm like Bubbles and Cher. Yes! <laughs> I am here. <laughs> I want my friends to do fun nerdy shit with me. I this mean, is bomb. Do it. Ain't nothing to it. You know it. what? I'm gonna go by myself. Fuck it. I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a sexy slutty Miss Frizzle. Okay. <laughs> See? See? And that would no, but that would be amazing. See? People would love it. But let's even get right into it because we can talk about oh, that yeah. in oh, itself yeah. all day. <laughs> um, so, yes, introducing you and everything that you're bringing to the table. But like I said, I met you as you were telling drunk Chicago history and you told a beautiful story about your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Who was? <laughs> My grandfather's name is Charles Stepney. Um, he is a writer. I mean, I was, but I still say is to this day people use his music. So. He's a writer, arranger, producer, uh, music extraordinaire, music student always. He studied up until he passed away. But yeah, most importantly, he's my granddad and uh, his music lives on forever. So (laughs) she's so humble, y'all. What she also is saying is she's a part of music royalty. Like her grandfather is just as significant and iconic as a Quincy Jones. He would be considered definitely godfather to the Pharrells, the Mike Will made it, all these popular producers that we all now know of definitely got their star from the you know the legacy as well as the just the musicality and the genius of your grandfather and I think that's a big piece of the interview now it's like we know who the Ramsey Lewis's are we Mm -hmm. know who the Quincy Jones are we know who even with his crazy you know murderous ass who Phil Spector was Mm -hmm. you know why do we not know who Charles Stephanie is so we are gonna get right into that (laughs) uh right here and now hun Mm -hmm. so in terms of you being the granddaughter of like Charles Stephanie Mm -hmm. 
what what does that mean in the sense of like just having that foundation mm. um understanding you know something that is really prideful you know in terms mm. of of being able to say i can listen to any song and hear this arrangement that my grandfather did or just mm. you know knowing the mark that he left on the music industry oh goodness see at first i didn't get it okay and i think sometimes people get a little shocked because of course his music has this big wide um, uh, spacious history that just kind of transcends more than I could ever understand. There are people who know and love his music who I will never meet. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was a kid, my family was very eh, about it. Like they said it, they talked about it with pride, right. but it was, it was it was something that was a known fact. So it was never really. <laughs> um, I, when I was a child, I just didn't understand the significance of it. It wasn't until I got much older and I went to college. And there were people talking about him, like friends of mine who were like, oh, I got to put on the Steffi record. And my last name is Wright. And so they wouldn't know. <laughs> and I would be sitting there and they would be going off and off about him and saying all types of facts or non-facts, things that they had heard through the grapevine, all wow. kinds of stuff. And I would sit there and be like, okay, that's, you know, that's my grandfather, right? And then they go, what? <laughs> you know? That's your granddaddy. <laughs> like, I, I think, I think. For me, I just never really understood the magnitude of it until I got much older. Um, and and I think sometimes for a lot of people, you never really understand the magnitude of it. Right. Um, I don't think I, I, will, I ever could. But I think that it's important now that I understand more of his story. I've had those conversations with my mom and my aunts um, and, and uh, the remaining living members of our family. Uh, when I was little, I had conversations with his uh, brother, Teeny. Now that I have all of that information, I think it's very important for me to continue to spread on that story as much as I can, which is right. why podcasts like this are important, you know, not necessarily for, for not at all for myself, but for his legacy, because I know that's what he would have wanted. I don't know if I'm answering your question at all. No, that's, <laughs> a, that's the thing, because it is a, a, a mantle that you're carrying, you know, especially like you said, like. Even at some points where you were like, man, I didn't even understand that the legacy or that the history was that deep, you mm-hmm. know? So it does it does definitely make sense in the sense of, like, what that means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, though, that you mentioned that, I mean, I got the inside scoop. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I heard this. But one thing, though, that when you were telling your story that I really thought was so sweet and beautiful, um, especially when you think about, like, greatness. Mm-hmm. People always, like, look at, you know, they look at the Michael Jordan, and it's like, say what you want. Like, Juanita had to raise all three of his kids, yeah, you yeah. know, and keep that, the uh-huh. the logistics of that household rolling. Yeah. Or when you look at, you know, uh, a Mr., you know, Obama, or mm-hmm. President, mm-hmm. I should say, of Mr. Obama. Good Lord. Woo, <laughs> <Like, laughs> child. Jen Singh. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at a President Obama, the fact that he was married to such, you know, an accomplished woman who still, like, was maintaining the household and getting her doctorate and being a bomb woman. When it comes to your grandmother. Because it seems like your grandma was, like, the OG of the family. Okay. Okay, see? Let me tell you about Ruby Stepney. Okay. I think a lot of people thought that Grandma Ruby was a housewife Mm -hmm. because she looked like one. She kept, um, Grandma Ruby, it didn't matter where she went. There's not one bad picture of my grandmother. Okay. There's not one picture where she looks like a little off. No. She was tailored. She's serving every day. Oh, I don't oh. care if I'm going to squeeze the zucchinis oh, or go to a gala. Around. She like back then. Oh, she would have been Instagram queen. Okay. Prim, proper, tailored, like to the T, hair always done. Everything was right. 
so she had the aesthetic of a housewife. Mm-hmm. But my grandmother was a Renaissance woman. She was a seamstress. She was an artist. Uh, she ran like Girl Scout groups. She traveled everywhere. She 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 was also a musician. She did all kinds of stuff. And she raised three daughters at the same time. I think that's amazing because <clears throat> I'll be quite honest. Excuse me. I feel like even at times there's. It's quite easy to be like, whew, my man making this bang. We living hard. Let me just chill and kick back, mm-hmm. you know? But to also have, like, that strong sense of self and the mm-hmm. fact of, like, no, I'm also going to, you know, be putting forth my own artistry and my own um, passions and pursuits that make me happy. That's super important yeah, yeah. to maintain that, especially when now you're so-and-so's wife, you're so-and-so and so-and-so's mama, mm-hmm. you know, you're now grant, like moving on under the umbrella of this legacy. Mm-hmm. It's also like, how do you maintain like who you are though? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's super important. Yeah. Yeah. She was like that up until she passed. She passed in 08, but she was always doing stuff. She was always, I mean, I don't really know. My grandmother was, she was up and moving and going to tennis you know she uh, when she was come through venus and serena (laughs) the originator Uh, i'm here for this in the tailored tennis outfit she was she was i mean she just worked she she was everything i've ever wanted to be wow she was the matriarchal role model Okay. Of not just a mother. And she was a, a great But like mother. a black woman. Yeah. But like a, a black woman who, she was a renaissance woman. Right. You know, and, and I think it was important for her to have that identity outside of Charleston, especially after he died. Because mm-hmm. when people die, sometimes my They get immortalized. Were, yes. My friends like, and I were just talking about this with, with Kobe. It's like, yes, those look like his youngest daughters are going to have to spend like the rest of their lives. Not knowing a person, but always hearing about the person. Mm-hmm. And it was like that for my mother. And and she knew him, but she was very young when he died. Right. But my grandma, I mean. And those grandma, are formative sorry. years. Yeah. 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 My aunt Shantae, she was a baby when he passed. So so what does that do when, um, and to, to you when you're a child, when you're a wife? And how do you build an identity outside of that, but also uphold that legacy at the same time. And it's the balancing act of it, right? And that's something, like, even with us speaking about the legacy and me saying, like, and and having all the facts, the Googles, the Mm -hmm. receipts, like, I called my mom, it's like, Go back there, see, you got a whole bunch of records and albums and stuff. You see anything with, like, Charles Stephanie on it? I, I started telling all the tea. But I was just like, Mom, have you never heard of him? What's going on here? And tell her about her generation. She was like, girl, if you don't get off my phone. <laughs> She's like, I'll call you and see if I can find Minnie Riverton's album. Damn. But um, looking at that, right? Mm-hmm. Up until, you know, when I met you, mm-hmm. which was not that long ago. Yeah. Looking, count down the days. Why is it that no one has heard about your grandfather? Mm. For to have a legacy this impactful, to have everyone sampling his music. Mm-hmm. See, in 2020, we in a whole new decade. Like, mm-hmm. why is he not just as well known as a Quincy Jones? I think it's a combination of things. I think initially he was a very private person. He kept to himself. He wasn't very flashy. He didn't want to move to L.A. You know, none of that stuff. They tried several times to get him to move to L.A. He was like, I, I started here. This is where I work. I like my basement. Y'all can come here. <laughs> exactly. That's what like, he was. And, and I know that I'm would. good enough that you will. They would. <laughs> and that was it. He, was, he wasn't cocky, but he was very confident in his work. So whoever he wanted to work with, 
I mean, my mama said that before he passed, Barbara Streisand was supposed to come over and hang out in the basement. And Earth, Wind, Fire had come to the basement. And Jackson 5 had been in the basement. So if they wanted to work with y'all, Stepney, they would have gone to the Every basement. Every time I hear Barbara Streisand, I just want to say, in the way we were. <laughs> right? Like, you know how she always do that far away? You know how white women on stage mm-hmm. get you that far away oh, stare? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Celine Dion uh-huh. look. Yes, yes. That That's very... incredible. Yes. And yeah, so he was he was confident. He knew that he didn't have to go. I think that was the biggest reason that he didn't want to go. He knew he right. didn't have to. Um, but then, and, and, and yeah, he, even on works in which he spent a lot of time in the beginning years of his career, as he was working with like chess and cadet records, he would, I mean, the way it was back then, and I mean, it probably is the same way now, even though I think they're a lot more strict about getting credit. It would just be like, oh, oh, we just finished up a session. Oh, who's, who's in the studio across from us? Oh, let's go see if we can go vibe with them and, and you know. Have a jam session. Yes. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you have a brand new song and not everyone's really thinking about, oh, you going to give me proper credit or, you know, am I going to get writer's credit, all that kind of stuff? No, they just jammed and recorded it. And so there are probably works out there. There are definitely They were so works focused on the art that yeah. they weren't necessarily thinking like this is an uh, art business. This yeah. is a music business. Yeah. Right. So, so, that the, so I think it has a lot to do with, with the uh, how humble he was as a person, not necessarily as an artist, but, oh, these are my friends. I want to I go work with them. I want to do art with them. And people weren't always very mindful of that kind of stuff. You didn't always have to be. Uh, my grandfather did a lot of gentlemen's agreements, a lot of handshakes. Um, and a lot of people upheld those handshakes. I was about to say, actually also understand, (coughs) understanding that because we come from like case in point Mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing this because I didn't, you know, I don't trust my guests or anything, but I'm like, I have consent forms that Mm -hmm. I send. Like Mm -hmm. it's just standard now business practice. But can you expound on the fact of like when this was your grandfather's Mm -hmm. time, like that whole concept of my word is my bond and what that means takes on a completely different level in business than what we have come to know it as. Yeah. I think that there was considered to be a brotherhood Mm. that my grandfather was involved in, uh, with cadet, with chess, as he worked with Tom Burrell, as he moved on to work with Earthman and Fire. I mean, most, most of the people that my grandfather worked with, he either admired greatly or mentored. And so I think there was, there was a known trust there. And my grandfather, while he was alive, wasn't done dirty. I was about to say, I, it, it doesn't seem like he had he to run dirty. all over Chicago to get his money. Mm-hmm. No, so. no, no, no. I, at least not that I know of. Okay. He wasn't done dirty. Um, if there are any the stories end, out there, right. like somebody probably got at least one. But I think that, yeah, no, most people respected and admired him enough to credit him on his work. It wasn't until after he passed that things got wishy-washy. And he passed so young. Um, in the, in How the, old was he when he passed? He was 46 years old. He Was it a... And not I'm trying to get too deep, but yeah. just understanding that, like a man in his prime, like... What, how does that, like, it's mind-boggling. Like, you you sometimes think, like, black men, take care of yourself. Black mm-hmm. people, we've got to get our health together. Mm-hmm. Like, when you die, and your grandfather could have been this musical genius mm-hmm. legend that he is, um, or for all I care, he could have been a garbage man. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, like, that ripple effect of who you leave behind, the effect that you make mm-hmm. on your family, like, mm-hmm. you've got to take care of your health. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's important, too. It was pretty evident that he didn't do, <coughs> do the best job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember. He was a smoker. 
yeah. And that yeah. generation. Yeah. Because oh, this yeah. is before Surgeon General's warnings. This is everyone's like, it coats your throat. It makes, you know, yeah. it. it's the cool thing. Oh, I forgot. We in Chicago. <laughs> Who is blowing whistling this loud? Yeah, That's yeah. a whole ass fire truck. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, but no, as you were saying, like, the fact of, of the health component, but then also the fact of how, like, people did respect your grandfather mm-hmm. and did right by him. Mm-hmm. So let's just even go down this run through. Mm-hmm. Lord, well, the top, what, 10, 15? Who has your grandfather worked with? Like, Ooh. when we're talking <laughs> about, like, just the, the handprints that he has on everyone's career. So, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Many represent. Those are the big two people always run to meet with. But mm-hmm. then Rotary Connection, which was his. Gotcha. So it was, uh, yeah, and uh, it was Many Ripperton, um, a few other vocalists. I mean, a lot, honestly, a lot of those people, I don't know. Okay. Like you know, like my like my family knows of them. There are people around, and then there were also some switched off members. But that was his project. I did see something with Ramsey Lewis with him. Were oh, they yeah. cool? Well, or okay. yeah, yeah. My granddad and Ramsey worked a lot. I oh, got so, you. Yeah, yeah. They were they were they were good friends. Um, and they, my grandfather, you can find his work on a lot of Ramsey's uh work. Um, Maiden Voyage is the big one. That okay, that's know of. And Maiden Voyage, I believe, is where you first hear Lay Fleur by Minnie Ripperton. Um, initially, and then they redid the song for uh, her "Come to My Garden" album. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was technically a collaborated instrumental song with him and Ramsey that he rearranged for her album, and that um, Richard um, Richard Rudolph wrote lyrics for. So that's what Le Fleur is. Wait, Richard Rudolph? Yeah, my Rudolph's dad. That's what I'm sitting there going like, that ain't, hold on now. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because I'm like, now her daughter is the chick from SNL. Like, I remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and who else? Uh, Denise Williams. So he did Free. Uh, and I just got to be free. Yeah, uh, Marlena Shaw. So uh, California. So uh, the Dells, the emotions. Every time you say the Dells. <laughs> like, it just, that was like, my, my father played Stay. Oh, yeah. By the devil. Like, he loved, like, when he gets to that note, he just, hey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, my father would lose his shit. That was his group. <laughs> like, he loved them. It's, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, no, great great song, great groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many more. He had his name on, like, uh, Muddy Waters' work. He had his name on. Oh, yeah, because I remember your father did say, like, he was the first person to put an electric guitar in mm-hmm. Muddy Waters' hand. Mm-hmm. And these are, like, Every person that you're naming, these are not like lightweights or, you know, <laughs> he didn't help Baby Bash, like, come up with the chorus for Sugar Sugar. Although that was my shit. Like, he didn't come up with, you know, Cyclone with uh-huh. Petite Pain. Like, everyone that you're saying he's worked with, these are heavyweights within, like, not only just the black music community, but just within music, period. Okay. Like, there's not anybody that was mentioned that I have not heard on somebody's national commercial for some mm, brand mm-hmm. that I haven't heard from some sort of international campaign that mm-hmm. I ha- to be honest haven't sat in rooms in adverti- in the advertising world as we're trying to deliberate okay cool here's the visual what's the the music that we're gonna put over it like yeah. these are like staple artists yeah that no matter the generation constantly get you know brought mm-hmm. up I remember many rooms and shit was on a Burger King commercial was yeah. it or was it it was some burger. I think it was Burger King. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Like, 
And your grandfather is sitting here, like literally, like the puppet master, putting all this this epic art out there for the world to hear. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because um, I look at all of the love producers get right now. You know, producers didn't always get that kind They're of They're like love. artists in their own, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and they didn't have producer tags. It wasn't no... Beethoven! Yeah, Stephanie in the house. Right. You know, like, there wasn't none of that back then. And I, and I, and I, don't, I don't know if he would have even wanted that, if nah. there was that. I mean, I think there, there was some story where, where my mom said they tried to get him to rename Come to My Garden as Charles Stepney with Minnie many Ripperton Come to My Garden. And he said, no, I'm good with my name on the... Back on the back of the album, where it usually is, um, because he was that was his music. I mean, it really was his music. Right. You don't. I mean, you listen to "Come to My Garden" for the musical arrangements and Minnie's voice, and that, I mean, really, that's that's it. And that was all that was there. So, uh, but yeah. that was a different time, though, oh, where yeah. it's just like those were the core elements, like. It's it's true, and I know every generation is different, but there let's be real. There are hundreds of acts that we have heard and seen since, hell, I'm not even going to go from the 90s to now, oh. just from the 2010s until now, mm-hmm. that would have never stepped, seen the light of day mm-hmm. inside of anybody's award ceremony, you know, based on what that threshold was. Mm-hmm. You had to play, like, all your instruments. Mm-hmm. Could you arrange, like... That is, it's it's a science. Yeah. Like it's it's beyond just like you know, I'm fly. I'm I'm the most popping. Mm-hmm. I'm the flyest nigga. I'm the baddest bitch. Like no, you had to have artistry. There are so many artists I listen to right now where I'm just like, ooh, they need a better producer. Like, oh god, <laughs> or a music coach. Yeah. Like, yeah, girl, you ain't never gonna get hit high E overseas sounding yeah. like that. What is happening? Yeah. It's really interesting watching like artists like Billie Eilish and her brother. How, how like how how her brother really is the foundation of her career? Don't and even she get because you about to get Jasmine started. She about to take the headphones off. Be like, I've been saying this. Phineas is what makes that girl's world go but, around. But it's wild because I, she knows she has to know. That. She has written songs about knowing it. Like, you know, I heard her have a whole breakdown on everything I wanted, like because and, of her brother. And I have I have a lot of respect for. I mean, she's a child, so I feel like it's kind of like. You know, big brother you know sometimes Mm -hmm. but it's like i have a lot of respect for for that for showcasing that i I don't know how great and not saying that she's saying this but for a lot of artists how great would they be without the producers that they have yeah maybe they're talented vocalists but the music has to also resonate with people not even saying this to be funny but there's somebody who literally is sitting there hearing someone like no this ad lib needs to be that like Uh there's a reason why they're sitting there because they can they hear in the silence mm-hmm. and they feel in those gaps. Mm-hmm. And that is what takes, you know, a decent beat or a good song and turns it into iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even as we talk about like Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas, mm-hmm. we live in a world that is so polarizing that, yes, and I'll be honest, nine times out of ten, it probably is some racist shit or mm-hmm. some biases that mm-hmm. are behind it. That young woman and her brother with the exception of Adele, mm-hmm. and, I mean, there's very few times that I'm just like, she that they were the best. Yeah, like yeah. what she put out that body of work. Mm-hmm. Where, where do we go when we fall asleep? Mm-hmm. What her brother did, 
they fucking deserved every award that they mm-hmm. got. And I think that now drawing the parallel mm-hmm. with your grandfather is the fact of like, he deserves everything oh. that he did yeah. and put into, you know, the world. So now like just better understanding, mm-hmm. you know, how you got interested in your family's story. Uh, what have been some of the issues that like, what are the, some of the struggles now that you're having mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, Making sure that, yes, we talk about legacy, but look, checks are owed. Let's uh-huh. just keep it real. Like, you have people that have become millionaires or entities that are continuously cashing out. Yeah. And your family, it's, it's not like the whole family just went up in a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. So have you all, or how you have you specifically been dealing with that? I think for me, it, it's been understanding as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been <coughs> in my life. I've been in a lot of rooms with my mom and my aunts, and when my grandmother was alive, she was there. Uh, where they would be on the phone with an attorney, or be on the phone with two attorneys, or be on the phone with three attorneys, and they would be trying to get stuff done. They'd be trying to have a conversation, and it's hard because they're his children. I think that's something that people don't always realize is they were his children, and he died when they were all young very very Mm -hmm. very young and my grandmother she didn't know how to deal with having a dead husband she just had no clue of what to do after that especially because my grandmother didn't work right you know she she had her own money she had her own things going on but she didn't work that hard and my granddad always came up with some money and he had multiple streams of income right and she didn't know all of his streams of income so there would be checks being delivered to the house she didn't know where they came from so she didn't even have a way of understanding where everything was coming from is everything that's coming everything or is there more that she's owed oh this is a how do you even begin that process because a lot of times let's be real people who do have that understanding will be sending you like yeah we just you know we're sending them like five grand Mm -hmm. you know monthly Uh and let's be i don't care what time somebody sends you a check in the mail for that you were like well thank you yeah yeah. not realize no you should be getting 50 Uh grand Uh a month this these are peanuts compared to what you actually should be making for this intellectual property and because they were sending her i mean she would get small checks from earth wind and fire and because she knew maurice they, I mean, she knew all, mm. you know, we, uh, she, because she knew all, all the members, because she knew their wives, because she hung out with their wives. She was under the impression that she was getting everything that she was owed. And there was a story that I was told where they all took a trip uh, at his funeral. His funeral was, everybody was at his funeral. And uh, shortly after they got on Earth, Wind, Fire jet. And my mom said, it's beautiful, it's sharp, had the emblem on the, on the side of it. And <laughs> they got on the jet and she was like, Maurice looked at my mother and said, don't worry, we'll take care of the girls, we'll make sure they have scholarships and you'll never have to work again. And that was all bullshit. <laughs> it was bullshit. And, and Woo, not people, all skin folk is your kid. Oh no. And people and people and I don't even know if it's a conscious thing. Right. I think that they I mean, Earth Fire, they were like monumental right. at that time. That was almost like right in the prime and the peak. But I will also say this, and like not it's not a matter of playing devil's advocate or trying to vilify mm-hmm. Earth Wind and Fire. I don't know them, man. You know, but yeah. I think the thing for me is 
I don't know what type of deals they were in. Like the the mm-hmm. history of manipulating, taking advantage of, and you know, robbing black artistry. Mm-hmm. It, it can be any industry. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I heard something once, and and people can feel how they want to feel about it. But I heard someone once to make a joke that was like. The only invention white people have ever done is a patent. Mm. Like they just figured out the laws mm. of how to get a hold of it so they legally can now say mm. it's theirs, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily haven't necessarily put the work in for it. Now uh-huh. I'm not making a homogenous statement. Calm down. <laughs> she's oh my god, she's so mean against Caucasians. She's <laughs> she's racist. No, I'm not. I'm saying in the sense of when you're talking about issues mm-hmm. that, you know, keep people from unifying, like you have to address yeah. that yeah. to the point that one of my favorite shows, like I have burnt this show out to the ground. I fucking love Veep. Oh. And I will never forget like season. The thing that got me into watching Veep, mm-hmm. I had heard my cousin fucking loves that show. Yeah. And, well, she did until I watched it to the ground. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I randomly went in her room and it was and this random white man was talking to Julie Marie Dreyfus, mm-hmm. who plays the vice president. Yeah, yeah. And so they in the woods somewhere, and he is laughingly going, the thing I realized in the music industry before anybody else mm-hmm. is that black artists would sell their publishing rights for nearly next to nothing. Yeah. And he is cackling. Yeah. And I remember standing there laughing, but then going, He's absolutely fucking correct. Yeah. And the fact that this is quote unquote put in this satire, mm-hmm. it still is a reflection of what people have truly done. You got artists now getting caught in 360 deals. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of like when you're talking about your grandpa, or like even with Earth, Wind, and Fire, mm-hmm. was it their jet? Did you like hell? Do I, mean, I even know at this one? And that's that that is the 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 sticky part about all of this. Is sometimes your old money that people don't even have mm-hmm. to give you. <laughs> it, and that's what I'm saying. When you make this, yeah. like, I don't know why people do. Sometimes in that moment, mm-hmm. and especially in a grief moment, it sounds good mm-hmm. to say, you mm-hmm. know. And that might even be your intention until you go home and start, what's that little quicker, oh, yeah. the, the calculator. Oh, looking yeah. like, Bitch, we got to do the numbers. You got to do money the numbers. to pay for this. You have to learn music law. <laughs> my mother and my aunts have spent years and years and years studying music law. And and something that they would have never touched without, which is probably tied into copyright. Like oh, yeah. I can't oh, even begin oh, yes. the oh, headache yes. of that. The, the the separation of who owns who owns the lyrics and then who owns the melody. And like excuse, we all, wait, the melody is the the notes. The melody is just the sound of the song. So people can own not the, the sheet music. No, no, no. You could sing. I could I could sit in front of you and go. La 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 la, and if I'm charging people to listen to me do that, I owe Charles Stepney some money, and I, I yeah no I owe Charles Stepney some money yeah period I literally period I'm so confused why can't we just collect our things <laughs> like why period. is it always some bullshit and so yeah so so that's always the thing and and um the I believe the way the law is set up now is if there's no one to oh the the song is owned by the producer if there's no one to claim um the rights for the lyrics i believe so most most of of your grandfather's production who claimed the lyrics well that's the thing (laughs) some people 
have no writer's credits on some songs. Some people have multiple writer's credits on some songs. But a lot of songs should be, especially like some Earth, Wind & Fire songs and stuff, should be hits. The reasons. Oh, yeah. The reasons. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite thing about that is that it was uh, supposed to be a McDonald's commercial. That's my favorite thing about reasons. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it still tickles me. Yeah. Because it's That's like. That's my favorite thing about it. Yeah, no. It I was... have danced, like, spun around in kitchens mm-hmm. with family. Like, when I tell you that is one of the iconic. That's like, Reese's is up there with like, Gap, like, you blow my mind. That's oh, yeah. like, <laughs> that's like Luther Vandross. That's that cookout music. Hello? Yes. That's, that's that. Dan Ryan Woods. Yes, yes. Get your grill, like, yes. with the uncle with the, the sandals, uh-huh. but half in, half yeah, out. Yes, like, yes. Got the short song, got the little button up. Giving plan. all the young boys yes. bad advice. Yes, like, yes, exactly. But And that was supposed to be a commercial was, for McFlurry's. Uh, <laughs> that was so I told you that he was Tom Burrell's lead jingle man for for years. And if anyone does not know like oh, who Tom Burrell Tom is, Burrell. Tom Burrell is is basically the godfather oh. of of Black of advertising, yeah. black advertising, like completely yes. revolutionized it. I will never forget one day he randomly walked into the lobby mm-hmm. of my apartment building. He was trying to find his wife in the nail salon that was like next door to it in the commercial side. And I lost my shit. I dropped back. The white people were clueless. I dropped my bags. <laughs> I was like, sir, what, what do you need, Mr. Mm-hmm. Burrell? He looked at me like, I don't know you. <laughs> And he was like, I'm, I'm trying to find my wife in the nail salon. I was like, it is next door, and I love you. Yeah. And he just and he smiled. Like, I was like. Such a sweet person. It, and everyone was like, well, who the hell was that? I'm like, you know, oh, you have to know. No if you ever, it's, it's so funny because sometimes people talk about how, like, Sprite is, like, the black uh, soda. Oh, like, why are so many rappers doing Sprite commercials? If you ever want to know why so many rappers do Sprite commercials, Tom Burrell. Right. Tom Burrell is the sole reason why you we all will pro- always see rappers. In You're welcome, America. <laughs> okay, because if you did not have black people, y'all would be left with white out and oatmeal cookies, <laughs> and you know it. Okay, you no know butter. it. You wouldn't have tahini seasoning for nothing. Y'all give all these minorities so much hell, knowing damn well you need us. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and so yeah, so he was his jingle man, and so he would do a little. Do little songs and sample them. Send them to Tom. And Tom will go, ooh, I like I like that. Can we get more of that for Coca-Cola? Or, I don't know. Just, you know, this casual multi-billion dollar <laughs> company. Just instead of ending on, you know, an A note, they want you to end on an F. Yeah. Can you just switch that out? Like, and, and yeah, my mom said that she she heard reasons a lot. <gasps> and yeah, that he wrote that for McDonald's. <laughs> And Tom actually, that's so what it. That'd have been a bomb. <laughs> the, look at God, but I'd have been like that'd have been the sexiest McDonald's, McDonald's commercial, Mark, right? Ever. I actually want to see that McDonald's. I actually commercial. do. Like that would have been McDonald's should McDonald's should. You know what? I know people. <laughs> Full I'm, circle. I'm, let's let's do right by this. Let's use reasons as the commercial. <laughs> that would be dope. Yep. Copyright, copyright that. Okay, we came with that idea. It'll all come full circle. Yeah, that's no. dope as hell. Um, but no, so I know we've talked a ton about your grandfather, uh-huh. right? Yeah. But now I want to actually talk a little bit about you because. 
the thing is with you, you know, like you said, looking at your aunts, looking at your grandmother mm-hmm. before she passed, clearly like your father is in it. Like he was rattling off all the facts. I'm like, well, dad's invested as well. Yeah, yeah, very invested. But how do you separate that in terms of like, what do you, you know, do for fun? I know you just had like this bomb ass, <laughs> like cosplay mom with your girlfriends. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it that you don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed mm. with this daunting task? Because this... There are lawsuits. Look, there are certain things where you can be like, Glenn Beck, get a check, you know, and it's going to be two months and they just cut you 10000 and send you on your way. Yeah. But for this to be the Anansi spider of like, it, it, I just feel like there's a mental board somewhere where the string is tied to the different push pins with the post-its, mm. like this this web of, of uncovering that you have to do. How do you balance like not letting that drive you insane because this is not going to be you know like oh. it's not going to be a quick process it's not quick it's not easy <coughs> it's been a 40 40 year process for my family wow. i think for me it's uh, a matter of making sure that i um love my family love mm-hmm. on my family as much as i possibly can because it is very hard especially for my mom and moms with them being so close uh and missing their father they still miss him very much I love my family as much as I can, as as soon as I can, as much as I can, because we've all, we got. But I think for me personally, outside of all of that, I, I really like to write. Like, yes. that's what I do. And I think it, it it's, uh, it's my way of sometimes expressing my aggravation with all of uh, the injustices of his work and his life. But then also the injustices I've experienced and, and, and then also the happy moments and yeah, writing is, writing is the shit, writing Like for me, it's, it's the shit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do regular hood rat shit. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hang out with my friends. I, I love all my friends as much as I possibly can. I have some really, really good friends. You Last got a dope year, tribe. That's really, oh, yeah. Last and that's so needed. Had been a a very awakening moment for me and my friends and my relationship with my friends. We talked about, I'm keeping under wraps here, mm-hmm. but we talked a little bit about something that's happening w- with my family, with a certain person uh, in two weeks. Cool. And my friends, oh, like once we got the news about that, I, I started learning who my friends were very right. quickly and who weren't my friends very quickly. Because, um, of course, you already know it. Now, I know because I would, it, we ain't Bessie, but I know because of the mm-hmm. situation. It's like, oh, okay, that's a dope opportunity mm-hmm. for visibility. And yes, this person is completely like the top mm-hmm. echelon of not just, you know, black music, but respected within the music industry. Mm-hmm. But I will say this like, everybody want to be a plus one. Oh, yeah. You know, but it, and God, I hate to pull Kevin Hart into this just because he knows me. But he did say something that made sense. He's like, everybody want to be famous. Don't nobody want to put the work in. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to ride with you. And it's like, oh, let me take the pictures mm-hmm. and eat, you know, all the, the craft service, free food mm-hmm. at the movie thing. But it's like, but now when I'm sitting here, you know, about to pull my lace for an hour, because I'm like, if I get one more no from these attorneys, because oh. they don't, you know, like I'm going to shoot somebody. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like, it's hard to, to find you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to... Tell people, and I don't talk about my grandfather a lot because I don't normally have a uh, outlet for, like, it doesn't always feel, like, natural to bring mm-hmm. him up sometimes. And so I don't want to just be like, oh, my grandfather did this. But sometimes, you know, when it would come up, and as of late, it's been coming up a lot, 
people would kind of brush it off or, you know, kind of be a little like, mm, you know, like whatever, like that's fine, whatever. Uh, you know, but now all of a sudden things are changing and people want to be really involved and people who had no interest in him before are all of a sudden very interested in him and have never heard a song or, you know, all that kind of stuff. People who don't know his work all of a sudden really want to be involved in our family and what we're doing and stuff. And it's just so uh, eye opening. Yeah. I had never, I've never in my life experienced anything like it. But I will say this, it's a great lesson. Oh, it's a blessing in disguise. It truly is because it really helps you streamline. I'm not even going to say this to be funny. The worst thing that has ever happened to me so far in my life is losing my father. The best thing that has ever happened to me though, was to see who rose to the occasion Mm. when I lost my father. Mm -hmm. And if there were certain people that I was surprised to weren't there, there were other people who I was surprised that they were. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it still helped me shorten that Christmas list so much more. Oh, yeah. Thank you for saving me money right. as well as time, time with yeah. your fake asses. Yes. Like, because I think that's the thing though. If you are a normal fucking human being, mm-hmm. you go into the world trying to project like love and light because that's what we all want in return. Mm-hmm. We all want people to do right by us. Yeah. Your grandfather wanted people to do right by mm-hmm. us. Like, And even now, even though, yes, there's money attached in this conversation because guess what? It's business. Mm-hmm. Your focus is his legacy. Yeah. The fact that he should be in these conversations. Yeah. I felt ashamed. Like, And I, I love music, especially Chicago music. Mm-hmm. Chess records. Like... I don't even remember him in Cadillac Records. Oh. And you get what I'm saying? Like, but but you get what I'm saying? Like, just the fact of like, and in my mind, I was like, well, it's about time you give the people a chess records they're just due. Like, you know. So understanding that on a whole different level, like you need those soldiers that's like, it didn't, look, I'd rather roll with two and be small and mighty than be with a hundred moochers. Oh yeah. I mean, even even sometimes there are days where we boots are need to be on the ground. And I've had some friends who have come through real quick. Well, there was, back in October, we had a really important meeting back in October. And it was crazy. It happened out of the blue. And we needed to get food. And we needed to find a space. And we needed all this other stuff. And I had two friends who were like, what do you need me to do? Is there any way I can help? Oh, I can go pick up. Oh, you guys need food? Oh, you guys need fruit? I can go pick up some fruit. Oh, you guys, oh, what, what do you need? Oh, you need like a, like a cell phone charger? Okay, I'll go pick it up. And they would get up and out of their day and go to Target. It's something so simple, honestly, but it meant the world to me mm-hmm. uh, that day. And so I think that, yeah, for me, it's like, it's my writing, it's my family, and it's, it's my friends. And making sure I spend quality time with those people because I love them uh, and because I know that they're always going to be the people who have my back. And, and yeah, and, and when push comes to shove and all this Charles Stephanie stuff, wherever it goes, you know, uh, within the next few weeks, months, years, I, I want to know that I don't regret the people I had around me. Right. That's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Like not, <coughs> not going to be like, damn, I got God. Yeah. And that's the thing, Chicago, woo, we good for that. You look up, we some clout people. I love us and hate us at the same time. Like, can we please, like, I feel like we, we have broke the mold Mm -hmm. in terms of like at times like being around people. Or who do you know? Oh, yeah. Jesus, now what? Like, so great. Does that put me on your list? (laughs) Am I now cool enough? Like, get the fuck out of my face. But um, with all of that that we've discussed, and I'm, I'm, let me just say this. 
I could have listened to you and your dad continue to talk. Like mm-hmm. every time I thought that they had, you know, finished the story, they hit me in the face with some the grandma <laughs> out here, the original house of Darion designed everybody clothes and shit. I was just like, <laughs> I can't. Like I was so tired. <laughs> I was literally looking at, at Morgan and Tiffany, like, we got another story after this. Sweet Jesus. I literally turned the mic off and just put it on the ground. Like, I don't have anything else I can add to this. I and that's my terrible. job. I was <laughs> like, I, like, I felt like I stopped her from working. No, I was, like, I was so blown away by your family. And I'm a nerd. Mm. I love history. Mm. And, like, especially the dynamic of you and your father. Because that's, like, what I told him. I was just like, man, me and my daddy used to do that shit all the time. Like, roll around and just, like, read books and do reports together and go to, mm-hmm. you know, um, the library and the museum. Mm-hmm. Like, knowledge truly is power oh yeah definitely it's a dangerous power because sometimes what you know can get you fucked up but knowledge is a power that is so worth the risk of Mm -hmm. having and truth is so worth the risk of having and you all have that yeah um on your side but when it is all said and done not only looking at like just ultimately what you want to happen for your grandfather but what is it that you want your legacy to be Mm -hmm. you know in terms of of not only representing your family, but when it comes down to Lindsay Wright, like what do you want people to say about you? Dun, dun, dun. Right? <laughs> right. Um, no pressure. <laughs> what's really important <clears throat> to me, and I don't know how it's going to translate. I, you know, I have no clue. But what's really important to me is um, being a part of, whether it be small or big, and however you define big or small, uh, to to write something that resonates with little black girls, like deeply. Like that's my passion. That's something that I felt like I didn't get enough of when I was little. Um, Girl, did any of this? <laughs> right. We and, had Omar Tyree and the coldest winter ever. Those were our two options. <laughs> like, that, that's all they got. No. Oh, and Addie. Oh, and Addie. A, a runaway slave. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, and it was like, <laughs> it's like even now sometimes I and I think it's like a hunger thing for me now I'm I'm like barely satisfied with the representation uh, I know it's still not enough and it's great it's it's so much better than it used to be but I think that there's a lot of untold stories uh of black girls not not every black girl is the same sorry Hollywood <laughs> you know, so, uh, but I, but I we want... can't get Yara for everything, y'all. Oh my no God. shade to oh that goodness. girl. I love me some Yara it, Shahidi. But that, but like, but, but no, that's that's Issa real. can't do it all. Like, there's Lassana so many Burr other can't do it all. Zendaya can't do it all. I mean, and and, and it's it's Sean and Ava got several network channels. <laughs> I'm like, you all do understand how tight this space is. Yeah, like everybody just go digital. Just put your shit out on somebody digital platform. Because if we trying to get a, a nine uh, p.m. slot, oh, yeah. oh baby, oh yeah. But I think yeah, I, I think there's a, a infatuation with a certain type of black girl that's mm-hmm. happening right now, and uh, a tino shade to those black girls, cause, right? Because because they're beautiful and they're brilliant and they're amazing as well. But I think that and they're taking up space. Yes. <laughs> yes and they know that they're taking up space in, in a good no i mean that in a good oh. way i'm sorry no see oh wow no Whoops. i really meant that in the sense of no taking up space oh. in the, in the industry mean, yes. there are there are positive there are positive represent there's positive re- representation for taking up space but i also think that there's a little bit of 
uh, you know, knowing that you can step back on certain things, knowing that, oh, that character in the book was dark skinned, <laughs> but all of a sudden now she's being casted by Alexandra Ship. you know, those kinds of ways in which I think that black girls need to know that they are beautiful mm-hmm. no matter what. Forcey hair, the edges don't need to be laid all the fucking time. We can we can be quirky and we can be weird. And Let we me play mean. Harriet Tubman but talk shit about African Americans. Yes. Okay, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you know, and but, it, but it's like, I think that there is a certain type for me. The girls that I grew up with uh, were not, I, you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see them on TV. They were, but they're very normal. I people. haven't seen myself on TV since Cedar's World. <laughs> like, and if we want to put that out here, and Cedar was made the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was the first Sims character. I don't know what she was, but it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like she did that little weird mm-hmm. dance, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, I completely agree with you mm-hmm. in that space, and I, I think it's something where it's like also because everyone is kind of fed up and understanding mm-hmm. like those platforms are getting taken up. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going digital. Yeah. Everyone is like, well, shit, I'm going to just get a Patreon page. Or, uh-huh. I'm going to do this. Or, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not waiting to get the endorse. I know for me, the moment I stopped waiting on other people's endorsements to do something, it has been like such a shift and a change mm-hmm. because now I'm looking back at things I'm creating and saying, no, I didn't necessarily have this sponsorship, but I did it the fuck on my own anyway and still had the uh-huh. turnout I wanted. Uh-huh. And it still can serve to be like a testimony. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that you're trying to write something for little black girls that you don't see, I think that's phenomenal because that's, if we all tell our own stories and if we all realize our own power, mm-hmm. there's that individual that's coming up behind us. That's that reincarnate of us in that universe that's going to be like, thank you. Oh, I needed that. Look, they're watching us. Totally. I mean, intensely. And and there are moments where, like, I have an eight-year-old niece who I cared so deeply for. Mm-hmm. I love you, Mia. You're amazing. Oh, you look at your TT giving you a shout out. <laughs> You're amazing. Uh, she is so aware in a way in which I I don't have any kids, so I didn't know little kids could be so aware. And I, and she is she wants to see more of herself. I'm just now like she's just now going through that kind of like awareness of oh I'm different than mm-hmm. other people. People do, treat me differently because I'm different than other people, and then also people treat people who are darker than me differently because mm-hmm. they're not like me. Uh, and so I want to make sure that I am making space for little girls like Mia and younger to have less of a difficult time with that realization. When I went through that realization, it was hard. It like that, like I had really bad cases of self-hatred growing up mm-hmm. because of my skin color or because of my hair type. And if there's any sort of way that I can normalize the experience of, of blackness when you're a little black girl, if I can make that a little bit more, hey, you're not the only person who's going through this, you know, and it's easy to to uh, kind of just, oh, it's just growing pains, all that kind of stuff. But no, some of it's traumatic. It, it, it can be, especially if you were like me and you grew up in majority white spaces, you know, schools, stuff like that. Right. It can be like a big other. Why are you talking white? 
Yeah, exactly. So, do you understand? Like, you're minimizing our intelligence. Like, we can we can be black and smart. Like, like you know, not feeling white enough to be with the white kids, not mm -hmm. feeling black enough to be with the black kids. Like, that's a very real experience. I think a lot of times too, and even like wrapping up with that, like something that you you said is the fact of. I'm not biracial. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of times people have attributed that statement, mm -hmm. and not that it's wrongfully attributed, but they've attributed that statement to people that's like, I had a white parent and a black one. I never knew where to fit in. Mm -hmm. I had two black parents yeah. and still was, it's, like, it was like, I'm not white enough to be white and I'm not black enough to fit in with like, mm -hmm. The hood kids that I'm growing up around. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do I do? I grew when up they see me leaving mm -hmm. to go to violin practice mm -hmm. with a, a violin strapped to my back and I'm holding my daddy's hand, they looking like, who the fuck? Like, mm -hmm. what is happening here? Yeah, I grew up on um, 96 and Forest. So I grew up in Roseland. And oh. my parents had, like, a really nice car. And, <laughs> cause, you know, uh, that was where my grandfather lived. So, so right. that was his building. And so I would grow up there and we would go to the corn store and get hot Cheetos with cheese with the black kids who lived on the block. And then I, my parents would uh, take me to school and I would be at Morgan Park Academy with white kids and um, Asian kids and they would be completely different towards me. And I then code switching was my life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think it's hard to to step out of that. I mean, I still code switch everywhere I go just because not even because I have to just because I, I, I still have the trauma of, oh, when I forgot things were different. And I forgot to change the way I spoke or change the way I dressed. People treated me differently. Right. You know, so I, I yeah, I want to make space for those girls. So, yes. I think <laughs> that is phenomenal. And I think that your grandfather is smiling on you in terms of that. Your grandmama too. I know. I just envision them somewhere really classy in heaven right oh, now. Yeah. Like, They're the Beyonce and Jay-Z of heaven. Right that, sitting back, <laughs> a glass of something, matching outfits. Because, mm -hmm. you know, everybody had to match they, they uh -huh. made back then with, with the fan chair, uh -huh. with the... The wicker chair, just yes. looking bomb as hell. Um, I thank you so much, love, for coming on to the show and sharing your story, your family thank story. You. Black girl magic, black yes. excellence at its finest. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to see. I'm counting down uh -huh. to see how this develops. Um, and yes, if there's any other way that I can help and oh, assist, definitely will will be doing so. Um, to everybody, thank you for watching thank my you. episode of Joy Has Questions. I'm super, super excited um, to be going visual. My living room cute. Ow. No, <laughs> it is. But, thank you. Yeah. But um, no, until next week, I will see you guys later. Bye. Hi, my love. So this week's motivational message as we are heading into our new week, I really want to focus on persistence. And this is something, to be quite honest, that I have struggled with in certain areas of my life. Like I have amazing follow through when it comes to branded things. I will whip up a deck, get through an email, do all this good stuff. But when it comes to my personal sometimes, maybe it's the black woman complex. You know, we are everything to everyone else. And then we let our own self-care slide, whatever, right? But when I really sit back and think about the things that matter, those intangibles, the qualities that really bring forth beauty in this world and in this universe, it is through persistence. I know this might sound funny and crazy, but when I go on Instagram, when I look at social media, truly, 
I love looking at fitness pages at times, not because I'm like, oh man, they're killing it or I can't wait to be naked at Soka next year. It's not that at all. It's the fact that I'm looking at the beauty of a human body that has put in consistency of effort. And it's something that I aspire to. It's something that I no longer look at in the sense of like covetousness of, man, I wish that can be me, but yet I don't get up off the couch like the Everest commercial says, you know, your life is passing you by. Like we all remember that dude with the baseball cap, but there was actual truth behind his words because at the end of the day, you have to fervently, persistently, doggedly, obsessively at times go after whatever the fuck it is that you want. Nobody is going to do it for you. You can work 35 million years at a company, get all their, you know, different colored awards, be sitting there with the cape and the scepter, feel like the bad bitch, and they literally tomorrow can send you a pink slip and be like, thank you for your time. You can do all of the right things, get hit by a truck, they will pass around that raggedy car for everyone to sign, send it to your mom, send it to your loved ones, and then put your job description back on Indeed, Monster, LinkedIn, and whatever other search engine platform that they want to use. So what are you doing to actively go after what it is that will make you happy? And if you don't know what will make you happy, what are you doing to even take that first step to sort that out in your own mind? We live very, very short years in comparison to other sentient beings on this planet. Bacteria can live for thousands of years. They still crack in, you know, honey in, in tombs and uncovering things that it's like, hey, sis, I've been sitting here. In good time, we might get 80 years, maybe 90, maybe 95. But what is it that we are doing in this short time that we have here? to actually say, this was my mark, this was my impact. If you are not persevering, if you are not getting through those dark days, what the fuck are you really doing this for? I just want us all to think about that as we're heading into our week. Peace, love, and soul, in the words of Soul Train, had to hit it with a good uh, ancestral quote, you know me. And I really, really want us to think about that, not only this week, but beyond. Love you guys, Joy Has Questions, out.